Hello, ladies, and welcome to the Amazing Bible Dot Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thank you so much for listening. I know you have busy lives, and I appreciate the, the fact that you took time to tune in today. As we look at the Bible, I recognize it is a big book and it can be very overwhelming. But the plus about the Bible is that it is broken up into sections and we can take a little section at a time and it won't seem quite so overwhelming. Overall, the Bible is broken up into two sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is the the scriptures of the Jews, and it is a promise of the Messiah that's coming. And as Christians, we believe that Jesus in the New Testament was that Messiah and that he fulfills all of the Old Testament. But right now, we are going to just take a look at the Old Testament. And the Old Testament itself is also split up into five sections. The very first section, which is where we're beginning today, is called the Books of Moses. And one of the pluses about growing up in church was that we put songs to everything to help us to uh, memorize the books of the Bible, in particular here. And so I'd like to sing for you the very first song that talks about the first section of the Bible. And it's to a tune of of an old childhood song, and it goes like this. Let us sing the books of Moses, of Moses, of Moses. Let us sing the books of Moses, for he wrote the law. First Genesis, second Exodus, third Leviticus, fourth Numbers, and the fifth is Deuteronomy, the last of them all. So our first book is Genesis, and that means beginning. In the that's the first book in the first section. Uh, also, I wanted to let you know that that first section of books, the books of Moses, are known by various things. So that if you hear them through uh, other teachers, etc., you'll know what they're talking about. So the first five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy are known, number one, as the books of Moses or the books of the law, or it can be just the law. Um, in Hebrew, I had heard it mentioned uh, Torah. The Torah means law, but then um, I've heard various um preachers and my Hebrew professor mentioned that the accent most times on the second half. So now I hear it as Torah. And it can also be known as the Pentateuch, Penta being five. So like the pentagram has five sided shape. The Pentateuch is a five side, five section book, a collection of five books. Historically, Moses is the author of these books, and Jesus says that he is in the book of John in the New Testament, chapter 5, verses 46 through 47. And so uh, that works for me. I believe that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. Again, Genesis means beginnings, and if we're, we take a look at the very beginning of the Bible, and it is the creation story. If we take a look at chapter one and chapter beginning of chapter two, we see that God is the subject throughout that whole beginning. Um, God created, God said, God saw, God divided, God called, God made, God set them, God blessed them. 
So he is the initiator of our created world. So I want to point out that in verse two, the spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. That's the one time in that section that we're looking at that it's just a little bit different. It's not just God, but the spirit of God. The word spirit there in the Hebrew can mean wind. It can also mean breath. But this is the same word that's used in Exodus 14, 21, where the Spirit of God parted the Red Sea. It's also the same word in Joel chapter 2, 25, where God will pour out his Spirit on all people. And so, um, for those who are Christians and we look at it, this gives us a glimpse of the Trinity, the Spirit of of God. Um, the Jews didn't see it in that light. They don't, they didn't understand the Trinity. That's one of the reasons why they really struggled with Jesus saying that he was the son of God and saying that he was God, because to them, it was blasphemy. Now, another thing I want us to notice in the creation uh, story is that it is a process. You know, God didn't just say and poof, everything was the way it was. And there's a, a reason for that. Um, we also see that in this process, there is a continuation beyond. For instance, in verse 11, God delegates to the earth to bring forth. And God delegates to the waters to bring forth. And so that creation process, that creativity continues on. There are a few extra things that I want to point out to you. For instance, on day two, God said, and it was so. And we will see that phrase throughout Genesis chapter one, it was so. The thing that's interesting, though, in day two, is that there is no place where it says, and God saw, and it was good. I don't know exactly why, and a lot of the commentators don't even mention it, but just something to think about and something to ponder. And this, again, ladies, is one good reason to have a journal with you as you read through the Bible. Why? If you notice this, why is it that way? And then that question leads to another question, which leads to another question. And then you start looking at other verses that are in the Bible, and it's, it's fun. So also, uh, one thing I want to point out is that in days one through three, there is no sun created yet. We have light, but we have no sun. Because there is no sun, I have always struggled with the fact that a day in this creation process, especially days one, two, and three, are a complete 24 hours. Um, in Second Peter 3, 8, is the verse that says, For unto the Lord a thousand years is as unto a day, and a day is as to a, a thousand years. You know, none of us were there. None of us know how long, quote unquote, it took. And um, Christians have a tendency to argue over things like whether we live in an old earth, or do we live in a new earth? And I'm not sure that's something that we are to be debating about. Let me give you an example of what I mean by that, okay? Uh, there was a scientist named um, Copernicus. He believed that the sun was the center of the universe. 
Galileo began to accept this view. Now, the theologians, the people who studied the Bible and studied God, read the Bible, and the Bible says that the sun rises and the sun sets. So, Copernicus and Galileo must be wrong. They looked at these scientists and thought they were heathen. But we know now who was wrong. It wasn't the scientists who were wrong. It was the theologians, the God people who studied the Bible who were wrong. Now, let me make something extremely clear. The Bible is not wrong. How we interpret the Bible is wrong. See, they saw, again, sun rising, sunset. Well, that's how we see it. But let me remind you of something else. Two things. Number one, all truth is God's truth. And if we are seek, if we're a scientist, but we're seeking after truth, God is pleased with that. And the Bible is not meant to be a scientific book, nor really is it meant to be a historical book. It is a book that is designed to show us about God. Therefore, what does this passage say to us about God and who he is and even who we are? Number one, he is the creator. He created. We are the creatures. We were created. Another phrase that you will find throughout chapter one is that the creatures were created after their kind. And this is another thing that I love about scientists. Scientists, like, how do you know what is a mammal that's after that kind? And I'm one of those people, I've never minded too much of the word, um, oh, where <laughs> life changes. I just lost the word. I'm so sorry. Um, but I see changes within creation, within their own kind. For instance, we've heard of a new dog breed, you know, or we see new kinds of fish, but they stay within their own kind. What I do not see and have not seen is a dis there's a distinction between other created animals and humanity. Humanity is different. Ah, the word evolution. See, I used to think that I was a uh, liberal because I believed in just a little bit of evolution. And now I recognize that I'm really right there in the middle. I'm uh, pretty normal. There are a lot of Christians that believe and see that there are types of evolution that happens. But what does not happen is the difference between humanity and the rest of other creatures. And part of that we see in verse 26 of chapter one, let us, God says, let us make man in our own image. I also want to give you another word. It's Latin and it's called imago dei. Um, sometimes churches are uh, named after that. You may read a book and see that. What that means is image of God. And the Bible in, ch in chapter one says that humans are created after the image of God. And it says that he created him and he created them, male and female. There is a distinction between male and female. And yet, both of them, humanity, are both blessed. 
and God says unto them. This is the first time that we see God speaking directly to someone. And one of the commentators I read said it could very likely be because it's the first time there was a created being that could talk with him. All creation, fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. But with humanity, we are to have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth. And if you notice um, throughout the different days, and this was good, and this is good, and God saw, and it was good. The very end, after God creates humanity, he says, it is very good. One of the commentators I read, Abraham Caravella, made comment that in answer to the question, what does it mean to be created in the image of God? And there is huge debates over this. One thing I do know is that it means that we are different than other creatures. But one of the things that Abraham said is that it is a representative humanity are to be representatives of God to every other part of creation. When I read through that, I thought, I think we have failed a little bit in doing that to the rest of creation. So, uh, pondering that, if you notice, chapter 2 begins day 7, and it um, is very poetic in the writing of it and so it God ended from creating he rested from creating then he blessed life and the the passing on of life to the next generation and then we find in two especially verses two and three God rested and it says on the seventh day God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day all the work, all of his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it, he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. So we hear that God you know, blessed the animals that they would go forth and produce more. God blessed humanity that they would go forth and produce more things that have life. And here God blesses the seventh day. Could it be that that blessing means that when we enter into his rest, we have life? One of the things um, with the seventh day is there is no ending. There is no evening or morning. It just continues. And God blesses, sanctifies, sets apart, makes holy that day of rest. Well, I'm going back to one of my New Testament favorite books, and that is Hebrews. And in Hebrews chapter 3 and 4, the writer of Hebrews says that there is a day of rest for people that we can enter in. And the way we enter God's rest is belief. And then he goes on to, to say, it's not just belief. 
You know, we just finished Christmas season. Oh, yeah, I believe. I believe in Santa Claus. I believe in this. I believe in that. We are to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus came and fulfilled the Old Testament. When we believe that, we can enter into God's rest. And then the writer of Hebrews makes comment that King David, and this is found in Psalm 95, especially verse 8, that King David says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the day where the Israelites did harden their hearts. And the, the writer of Hebrews says that, that David puts a limit on when we can receive that rest and that it's for today. So ladies, as you are um, thinking about this new year, if you are not a Christian, if you don't know what you believe about God, talk to them. Again, God loves honesty and tell them where you're at and say, hey, I need rest in this world that is so not at rest. There is such unrest when you watch the news, but God promises his rest. So if you want to enter that rest, today is the day. If you hear him say, God, I want to follow you. I surrender. I repent of my sin and I ask you to come into my life that I might enter your rest. Now, if you are a Christian, and I don't know about you, but I'm pretty tired after the holidays and the running around, and sometimes we too need to experience God's rest. And I just want to encourage you this year, if you haven't done anything like this, this is one of the things that I do. I try to take at least one day a month and not go anywhere, maybe take a nap and not feel guilty, but to honor rest. And it's not, we live in a, a world where it's like, make you feel guilty if you are resting. But God says it's a good thing to rest in him. And so maybe you need to take a day a week. That's what the Sabbath is for. God blessed the Sabbath day. By the way, the Jews, because of the seventh day, they rest on Saturday, the seventh day. But as believers in the New Testament, because we believe that Jesus arose the next day, we therefore worship and our day of rest and worship is on Sundays. But anyway, if uh, ponder these things, um, enter into his rest today, ladies. I do want to say thanks for listening again. And I do now have an email if you are interested in contacting me. It's uh, ab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Again, theab.bc.pc at gmail.com, which stands for the Amazing Bible Book Club Podcast. Until next time, and thanks again for listening.